Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Author Access, where authors get published and published authors get successful. I'm Susan Violante, Associate Editor at Reader Views, filling in for Irene Watson. And I'm Victor Volkman from Loving Healing Press in Ann Arbor, Michigan. I'd like to welcome all our listeners to episode number 149 in our series. Tonight's topic will be Niche Marketing Your Children's Book with special guest Ellen Feld. You can learn more about our guest on the Authors Access website, which is authorsaccess.com. We'd love to hear from you about tonight's show. Please send us your questions and comments to info at authorsaccess.com. Now, tonight we are on the line with award-winning author Ellen Feld, who began writing about horses more than 20 years ago. In fact, her first writing jobs were for horse magazines. At first, she wrote for small regional publications, but within a few short years, her work began to appear regularly in large national publications, including The Morgan Horse, Stable Management, Equestrian, Young Rider, and several others. Back in 2001, while waiting her next assignment to come in, she wrote a short story about a Morgan horse. Several of her friends encouraged her to expand on this story and try a full-length book. That short story became the first chapter of Blackjack, Dreaming of a Morgan Horse. The book went on to win a coveted Children's Choices Award, co-sponsored by the International Reading Association and the Children's Book Council. The book was then picked up by an international toy company and packaged with a toy horse made to resemble Blackjack, the star of the series. Blackjack continues to sell well, and to date has sold more than 30,000 copies. Wow, that's that's a great story. Welcome, Ellen. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm really looking forward to this. How are you, Ellen? I, I took the liberty to go to your website, and I saw all those books, and, and I was very happy to see you have two of my favorite things, and that is horses and uh, children's books. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Mine, too. <laughs> So I, I like I love to gaze in uh, uh, children's books and, and just loved everything that I saw on your website. Why don't you give mm-hmm. us an overview of your books and um, and let us know just um, how the, how is the marketing working for niche uh, publishing like yours? Because it is a niche for children and it's about horses. And everything in your website was about horses, which I loved. So. Um, Give us an overview about um, all of your books and how you came up with all these ideas. Right. It's it's horses 24-7, basically. Um, when I'm not writing about horses, I have uh, 12 horses of my own, so um, we're doing horses all the time. It's uh, it's something that just, you know, it just happened. It wasn't planned, um, but as often as said, you write about what you know and what you love, so that's what I wrote about Um and it actually, it's, yes, a very niche market, but it's a huge market. Um, there are so many young girls, and it is primarily, I would say, 95% of my reading audience is girls. Um, and there's just so many girls in love with horses. And the nice thing about it is um, my books go up through about age 13 for the reading level. There's always a fresh market of girls coming up through that age, so it's, some readers age out. I've got a, a new batch to start marketing to, so there's always new things to do. I can repeat the old things, and they seem fresh because there are new girls coming up through that age group. Um, and I'm always looking. I'm always marketing. Every day I find something new. Every day I'm on the Internet or making calls, 
following up with new clients. Um, so it's a constant thing, and you, you've really got to love marketing as well as writing. And I do enjoy the marketing, so I think that is in part why the books have been so successful. The uh, first book that was mentioned, Blackjack, it was originally published in 2001. And 10 years later now, it, it actually, well, 11 years, it is still selling as well as or if not better than when it first came out. So it's a you know it's it's the same book but i i'm still marketing it and along with blackjack there are uh, five others in that paperback series the morgan horse series i'm working on book number 7 in that series i also have a hardcover for the younger readers where i took a couple of the horses from my series and it, the hardcovers for second grade reader i made them the horses into talking horses so they could go on a, an adventure that readers in the second grade would understand and then they can get into the books through that one, and then as they get a little bit older, then they can naturally flow into the other books. So it's worked out really well for me. So you have to be really creative when it comes to um, um, expanding your first project. Uh, you know, you started with one book, and, mm-hmm. and then you moved on. And I really loved uh, uh, to see on your website even games and, and, and puzzles, and I was actually playing with the puzzles. <laughs> so... Um, Tell us a little bit about online advertising and where and when does it work and when does it stop working? Right. That's a really good question because there are a lot of opportunities to advertise on the Internet and there are a lot of ways to spend a lot of money and not get that money back. Um, So you've got to be really careful. Um, Originally, when I first started this, I would go to the really huge sites that had oh, I don't know, 100,000 hits at least per month, maybe more. And I was paying a lot of money. You'd get a um, little JPEG ad to fit in, like, say, a corner or maybe if you had more money to spend to get a banner ad up top. And I was advertising on these big sites, and they were getting lots of hits, and I was getting click-throughs. But when you consider how much you were spending, and I'm talking, you know, between five and $800, for a month, or maybe if you were lucky, you could get a two-month special. And then for the click-throughs, they go to your site, they they learn about your books, um, but then they're going to go to Amazon to purchase the book. And when you're considering, say, you're spending $800 on that one ad, and paperback books, in order to be competitive, especially, that's one of the things in the children's market, you've got a price point that's fairly low, and when you consider, you know, you deduct what Amazon's taking you're not making much per book. So just to meet the cost of that ad, you have to sell a tremendous number of books. And I wasn't doing it. I was getting my name out there, which did help, but I was spending a lot of money that wasn't being returned. So I soon found other places to advertise. And I actually have a lot of places where I spend, say, $25 for three months. They don't get the, you know, 100,000 hits a month, but they, they still get hits. And, you know, they might get 10,000 hits a month. But in some cases, those sites are a lot more targeted. Like, say, they're a site specifically to Morgan horses. So rather than just horses in general where you have, say, a 50-year-old woman who like to show jump coming to this site, they wouldn't be interested in the books at all unless perhaps they were purchasing for, you know, a child, a, a grandchild or a, a child. And that does happen. But it wasn't targeted enough. So these smaller sites were much more targeted, and I was getting more hits, more sales, and the cost was lower. So I had to play with it a bit to find out what worked and what didn't. But I 
have learned to pretty much stay away from the really high-end uh, advertising sites. And I, I get emails all the time from these high-end marketers that, you know, advertise on our site, we get 100,000 hits. But then when I ask them about cost, it's, it's, it's way too much. And there are times, though, I will admit that I've gone to these sites and say, hey, look, I'm a small operation. This is what I have. Um, can you work with me? Is there something you can do? And sometimes they will actually come up with something that's a little different or a little more original um, that you might not have the front page banner ad, but it still gets noticed. So there are ways to work around it, too. So you do have to get very creative and play with it a little bit. Um, I tried the Google AdWords, and I know some people like them, but I've heard from more than not that it really didn't return the investment, and I found that to be true also. I think you need a you need a higher price point product than, a, say, a 9.95 book because by the time you pay all the clicks and whatnot, it's very hard to get that return. Whereas if I were selling, say, saddles, and I got one sale of a $1,000 saddle, well, that ad is paid for itself and then some. So it, it, it's different depending on the product, and it's tough with books because they are such a low-cost item, especially children's paperbacks. Um, you know, you, you do have some adult fiction, say, that, uh, that uh, markets maybe for $25, $30 if it's hardcover, but that's not the case with the children's books. It's it's interesting that you're talking about advertising because um um you know as we do publicity with so many authors a lot of authors uh, think advertising is something they don't need. Mm-hmm. They, they always think is that, you know it's all on the publicity on the you know whether it's press releases or interviews only but right. you do have to make some investment investment if you want to bring uh, up the sales you absolutely do and I I hear a lot of the old timers um, that will give advice saying, oh, don't advertise at all. Don't, don't, don't. Save your money. But you never know who's going to see that ad. Um, it's true that most people, I think, buy books from word of mouth or seeing the book, physically seeing it, say, at a book signing or something. But I build visibility and I, my books are known nationally because in large part, if you go to a Morgan Horse site, you're probably going to see something about my books. So I've built a presence on the net that, through advertising, has brought me sales. I've gotten long-term customers who said, oh, I was looking for something for Morgan Horses, and I saw your ad, and they've been a customer for five, six, seven years now, buying books for their store or wherever. So it does help, and it's hard also, like with my book Blackjack, after it's been out for 10 years, what are you going to do for a press release? It's 10th anniversary. (laughs) It's hard. I mean, there's only so much you can do with press releases because a press release has to be a news item, not just an ad, or it shouldn't be an ad. So um, you're limited to some respect, and you've got to get creative and find these other ways. Right. Uh, One thing that uh, authors can often do is start to cultivate themselves as an expert Mm -hmm. in in the field, right? Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I don't write for many horse magazines now simply because the, the horse books have taken over and the, the uh, magazine trade has changed tremendously in the last several years. But I, when I was writing a lot, I would get a byline and or a free ad in the magazine uh, promoting my book. So, you know, you, it's there again. You know, you've got to get out there and, and promote yourself. And I was writing on 
say training your horse or something not related to my books, but I was seen by the readers as an expert in that because here I am presenting an article in a nationally respected magazine. So therefore, you know, there are those books of mine that promote reading for children and educating children on horses. So I'm seen as an expert in that field, and that really helps sell books. Great. Um, have you uh, done much with school appearances or public-type events outside the bookstore? Um, I do some school appearances. I don't do a tremendous number simply because I have a full-time job on top of the publishing. So it's very hard to get away. I work at a college, so when I can get away, which is in the summer, most of the schools tend to be out. So right. I do, It's hard because we're on the same schedule, but I do do a few appearances here and there. I do a lot of book signings, um, and that's where I sell, I would say, majority of my books. And for me, just for my niche, I've discovered that most of my book signings need to be in the fall. That's the time when the parents and the grandparents are out shopping for gifts for the children. Um, I've tried, like, spring signings and summer signings, and, well, I'll do okay. The fall ones I drew much, much better. And... Um, I have, I've been doing some of the same shows for, gosh, five, six, seven or more years, and I have a regular following, and each year, a lot of people come back, okay, what's your new book this year? They don't, they don't even need to look at it, they'll just pick it up and buy it right away, because they've been buying my books all along. So, there's also that I try to do these same shows where I've been successful, because I've created a following at them, and that really helps. I've also would say that for the children's market it really helps to have more than one book um when i had one book it did well but when i came out with a sequel my sales didn't double i would say they tripled it it's something i don't know if it's psychological for the reader saying oh she has a second book therefore the first book must have been really good because why would they come out with a second book if the first book didn't sell well or it wasn't a good book and that just capitalized on it, and it really, really helped sales. So if you're doing children's books, you might want to consider extending that book into a series or even just a two-book sequel. Um, it, it does really seem to help sales. I wonder whether uh, when you're marketing your book, are you marketing it as a book series or um, you market which one works best when you market? Uh, you're marketing it only mentioning the newest book and then, um, uh, that will kind of roll over to the older ones, or or do you market the whole series? Um, I do, I do both, but I'd say primarily as a series. When a new book comes out, I, for probably three months or so, I'll do heavy marketing on that book, um, and then after the initial three or four months is over, then I'll wrap it into the series. And I always, even when I'm doing the one book, I always mention the other books and. Also, within each of my books, uh, I have the same format where the first few pages are reviews of the book, which uh, I'm sure you've had shows on how important reviews are, but you've got to have those reviews. And the two pages of reviews are normally followed by several pages. Each of A picture of each book, it's important information, the title, the ISBN number, and then a short quote uh, from a review. So... I'm promoting the other books within my books. And I also, um, when books go through a wholesaler or any anyone that's reselling, I will stick a bookmark in that book, even when they go through Amazon. And the bookmarks I have list all my books with little 
little pictures. So it's a really good promotion, and I, especially with Amazon, I'll stuff them in there so they, Amazon doesn't really know they're in there. And um, it, it's great that the person buys the book, and, oh, look, we get a free bookmark, and oh, look, here are the other books. I think it does help, and, and why not? If you're selling that book or promoting that book, you want people to know that there are other books with it. So it, I would say I, I do mostly the series promotion, except, again, when the book, when a new book first comes out. Great. Uh, I just want to back up a couple of seconds. You mentioned okay. shows that you go to. Are these like regional craft shows, or can you give us a flavor of... Uh... There's a mix that I've attended... There's some regional craft shows, and there's different shows. There's the type of shows, craft fairs, church fairs, where anywhere the craft booth fee would be anywhere from, say, 30 to $80 for a day. Um, and some of those I'll do really well at, and some of them will tank because you never know what the audience is going to be. Like I did one, which everyone said was a great show, so I was very excited to do it and it had good attendance. Unfortunately, the average age of the attendees was probably 85. So mm. they were they were well above my reading audience, obviously, and they were also, for the most part, above having grandchildren within my reading audience. So it just didn't do well. But then another show where there's very little attendance, it's the right it's the right group of people. So I'll do really well. So I do some of those. I also do some high end shows where the booth fee is, uh, say, four or five hundred dollars for two- to three-day show, but if you're paying $400 but bringing in 2500 in sales, it's certainly worth it. So, the you know, the, the um, there used to be an old saying. It, unfortunately, the current economy has kind of tanked that saying, but you should do 10 times your booth fee. So if you had a $20 booth fee, you should be making $200 in sales. Um, that's pretty much, I'd say, been cut in half at least because of the economy. But even so... Um, I'll do some of these high-end craft shows, and and a lot of them are artist shows where they make homemade glass and homemade this and that. You know, very very artistic things where books are not the norm. And when I started doing these shows, when my first few books came out, I had trouble getting into them because they were like, "Well, you don't make the paper, so it's not homemade," um, because these shows are juried where they have to approve your product. But then. They started catching on that the shoppers really liked authors. So now I get requests to go, and some of these shows have given me free booths, and they've promoted my product and said, oh, Ellen Feld's going to be here. Don't forget to get a book signed. Um, so I do some of those shows. I've done state fairs, for the most part, for me anyway, are outdoors, which can be good or bad because if it rains, I can't attend. Even with a tent, my books pick up the moisture, so you're kind of at the mercy of the weather. I also do some horse events, um, and again, for children's books, look look to that niche that you're doing, whether it's horses or dogs or cats or, you know, animals or rocks or whatever you're doing. There's there's shows that are uh, related to it. But for me, there's a uh, series of events called Equine Affair, and there are three in the country, one here in Massachusetts, one in California, and one in Ohio, and they get 100,000 people over three days. Oh my lord! Actually, it's four days, but it's it's huge. Yeah, it's huge. And let me tell you, horse books sell really, really well. It's a nice show. It's one of my. It is my biggest show of the year. And I've done the Massachusetts one, and then we've actually done the Ohio one. When the toy company made the model of my horse, we went on tour up and down the East Coast for them. 
and we took the horse as far as Kentucky, and we also took him to Ohio, and we were promoting the horse so that the equine affair gave us a free booth and a free stall for the horse, and the having the horse there certainly um, attracted a lot more clients and customers, and the, um, the, the little kids seeing the horse that was the star of the book, you would think they were seeing a Hollywood celebrity. They just were so excited, and it really helped sell books. <laughs> so there, there are different types of shows, and it took a few years of experimenting to see which ones worked for me and which times of the year were best. Um, so it's something you've got to kind of stick with and, and play around with, and um, everybody's niche is a little bit different. So what worked for me might not work for someone else and vice versa, but... There are a lot of shows out there, a lot of craft shows, a lot of events. There's always something going on. Uh, we have a big expo center in uh, about 40 minutes from here, and they have something almost every weekend. And while a lot of it's not related to what I would do with my books, I'm sure that truck show that they have, I know somebody who writes truck books for little kids. So, you know, there's always something. So just just keep looking, and you can use the Internet to search for these craft shows and and you can. There are sites that rate them, so you can see what other people think of them and if they're worth attending. So, it's one of those fun things to do with the marketing. And again, it's I do really well at the book signings, and I think it's important to. I know a lot of authors just depend on Amazon, and I, I don't think that's a good idea because who knows what's going to happen there. And you need to get your book out in other ways too. Yeah, and I, I I'm I, I'm actually. Um, glad that you're mentioning trade shows as um, and craft shows as um, mm-hmm. um, an example of book signings because usually when you talk about book signings you think it's bookstores. Right. Um, and to be honest, I, you know, when I do my book signings on the bookstores, I don't sell as much as when I do a, a speaking event or when I go to one of my um, uh, volunteering. Right. Uh, Absolutely. School, you know. Uh-huh. It's, it's, it's a lot better. It never occurred to me about going to a craft show, though. I, I should think about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, now you've got to find the craft shows that bring in the right audience, um, yeah. you know, for your book. But, yeah, craft shows have worked really well for me. Um, I agree with you. Book signings at bookstores, eh, I, I've done well at some. Um, the ones I do well at tend to be the small independent stores that really push the authors. I've done some Barnes and Noble ones, and well, the folks at Barnes and Noble were wonderful. They'd put me in the children's section, which was way back, and um, it just—I couldn't get the people back there. You know, you had one, one or two people strolling by every five minutes. You can't, you can't do well with that. And then I had one at a Borders before it went out, and uh, I think I drove like two hours to get to it. And the, the woman who was organizing it was all excited. Well, she didn't do anything, and. When I got there, she decided to take the day off, so there was no one there to greet me or set up. It was just ugh, a disaster. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, I know some people who do Barnes and Noble and stuff, and if I could bring my pony into the store, it would attract a lot of buyers. And I have thought about bringing one of the horses to the Barnes and Noble outside, but honestly, I'm a little concerned with the liability issues because you've got to be careful and and. Kids yeah, can get a little rowdy. Comes, I've heard that when it comes to bringing a live animal, there's a lot of um, uh, things that you have to um, think about, especially when they're going to be indoors. Right. The health, the insurance of the store, per se, so it's more complicated. But uh, let's say you're going to the bookstore. What 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 do you take uh, on a bookstore? 
for um, oh, on a book signing for our book signing. Yeah, what what do you take with you other than than I guess the regular bookmarks that we know we usually do? right right. I it's I think it's very important to have a very professional looking booth. Um, you know, you can you can just slap a. a a tablecloth or a, you know a piece of fabric over your booth, but uh, your booth table. But I just don't think it gives it the professional look. I've actually had a uh, uh, a tablecloth made, one of the uh, you know the, the sort that they use at, at actual conventions, where I have my my logo has been printed on the front of it that hangs over, and it hangs over the side so it covers the boxes that are underneath. And the big logo in front, so people can see that my logo has a horse jumping over the names of my company. So that gives a very nice professional touch. And I also have um, display boxes for each book so that the books are very nicely displayed. They're not just placed on the table. And, I mean, it's okay to do it, you know, spreading them out on the table, but I think it, it looks more professional and more inviting for everything to look like the author really put a lot of care and thought into this. She's really got her stuff together. I also have little stuffed toys, little horses that really sell quite well. I have a, a toy stuffed animal company that I buy them from, and I, when I was selecting the company, I chose a high-end company because I, I didn't want the really cheapy ones. I wanted to exude a look of of quality um and those sell quite well and they sell well to the people the kids who are getting the books and also a lot of times there'll be younger siblings who can't read or can't read at that level so the parent will buy them one of the little horses and it will keep them happy there's actually the company i buy from has a black horse with a white star which is exactly what my blackjack horse is and they've named their horse blackjack which I'm sure it's just a coincidence um, since my books have been out well before this toy came out, but the customers think that the the toy was made for the book, which is like, oh, okay, sure. Um, I have the bookmarks out there, and it's amazing how some people get excited they're getting a free bookmark. Well, that bookmark didn't really cost me very much, but it, it <laughs> does, does. You know, I buy them in groups of 5,000, so... Right. Um, <laughs> But they're like, oh, a free bookmark. And, and um, I have flyers with the books for the books, and I've actually had people, young children, come up very shyly and ask me if I'll sign the flyer for them. Um, and the, the flyers I had done by my designer, so they look very nicely. They're very nicely laid out, um, you know, because, yes, I can do it, but I know I'm a writer, and I know there are other people who make their living their livelihood designing, and they have a much better eye, a sharper eye than I do, and they can make it look nicer. So I have flyers for each of the books. I have order forms. Um, I also uh, started taking credit cards this year through the um, the iSquare app. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that, and that has helped my sales too because now that I take credit cards, I was Oh, yeah. I was losing a few sales here and there, not many, before I took the credit cards. But now that I take the credit cards, instead of buying one book, they're like, oh, you take credit cards? Well, we might as well get three books then instead of just one. Um, so it, it's increased my sales. And the iSquare app, I love it. it. It's worked tremendously for me. And it's simple. And even for the computer geek challenge people like myself, um, it's easy to use. So... I would encourage anyone thinking of doing book signings to 
look into the I square. That's a that's a good idea. I, I started looking for it for my next event. Um, so far, I've been using the store on my website and just uh-huh. taking my little email uh, computer and, and just use my little uh, PayPal thing. Well, the, the uh, I mean, I shopped around and I had at one point looked into um, getting another. This was before the I Square and um, app came out, going through a bank. But the I Square has much better rates, very competitive or. or better than any other I've seen. They take American Express for the same rate as the other cards, so that makes a lot of customers, well, not a lot. You don't get a lot of customers with American Express, but they're quite happy that you can take their card. So it's a lower rate. It's easy to use. It gets approved immediately while you're right there. Um, I get an email afterwards that says you took X dollars from credit card ending in this and click here for more information. If you click it, there's a Google map. It pinpoints where you took the sale. Uh, the customer signs it on their i on your iPhone, so that you have a record of them signing it. It's it's simple and easy to use, and it's just it's great. And even just uh, taking credit cards is a form of marketing. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh. Yeah, it is. It is, and it again it it makes you look a little more professional. And you can take credit cards, and you're a real business, and you know your books are real books, and it does. It, it's all is part of your image. Great. We have uh, a few minutes left. I wonder if you could talk about um, how you found your illustrator, how you'd recommend new authors starting out find an illustrator, and what type of arrangements work well with them. Right. Um, Well, I'm probably unique in the situation that I have. I really, really lucked out. The illustrator I have is a woman named Jean Herrick. And in the Morgan Horse world, she is considered the queen of artists. She's been around, she's actually uh, 83 or 84 now. Um, she's been around since before I can remember. She had uh, done some of the model horses, designed them. She worked in bronze, the model horses at the toy company that picked up my book, um, created. She did some in the 60s. If you've ever seen the movie, Justin Morgan had a horse. She and her daughter were actually in that. Um, they they have a scene in the beginning. It's a, it's a Disney movie. It's a very well-known movie. I think it came out in the late 60s, maybe. So she she uh, has done portrait work and bronze work for forever, and I got to know her through a mutual friend, and we just hit it off, and now uh, we're great friends, and she's actually currently working on my next hardcover book. She just finished... Um, one of my paperbacks sold out, and I'm doing a new edition, so she did a few extra drawings so we can make it a little fresher, newer edition. And um, she's working, you know, at 83, 84, she's sharp as a tack and still working. So I'm very, very lucky to have her. She loves doing the books because it's a lot different than the portrait work that she normally does, where it's like, Jeannie, you have to draw a picture of a little baby horse getting sprayed by a skunk. Um, and she just thinks it's hysterical. So. <laughs> She's she's great. She's wonderful to work with. Um, so I, I've been really lucky with that. The uh, financial end of it, I found it's much easier. We have a contract. I don't pay her royalties. I pay her a set fee per book. You know, she usually, I usually set a specific number of, of drawings per book, and we'll agree on a price, and I will just put, pay her the flat fee. And I think that works much better because. It's as simple as you don't need the accounting headaches. Um, 
and I know I do know some people who pay royalties, and then every year you've got to divvy out the royalties, and it's 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 much easier to do a work for hire, I think. Um, and again, I've been really lucky to have her. I'm very fortunate, and it's worked out really well. We both have a lot of fun, and she loves the books, and she brags to her friends and everyone about them, and shows them off. So she's just as happy to do it as I am happy to have her. Great, sounds pretty ideal. Yeah. But I, I do have to add, absolutely do not skimp on the illustrator because it is so true. Because I, I can attest to this having done literally hundreds of book signings. Your books are just, are judged by their covers. Oh, yeah. um, they So many people pick them up, look at the cover, and decide which book by the cover. I, the back of my books each have a synopsis of the story. I'd say only about half of the people read that. They just pick it by the cover. So those illustrations better be good, especially with a children's book. You've got to stand out from that crowd, so do not skimp on your illustrator. Or if you skimp, that could be the death of your book right there. Yeah, and it, and it is so different. You, I, I was one of those that thought that, oh, yeah, I'm designing the cover, and I designed the first uh, edition of my book. And then when mm-hmm. I came out with the second edition, I was going to do the same thing, and the publisher's um, uh, cover designer said, oh, this looks really neat, but this is what it will look like if I do it. And I'm like, oh. Wow. I did the exact same thing. I did my first cover myself. I I had the genie do the artwork, but how hard can it be to put a a title on there, right? (laughs) You'd be surprised. Yeah, I can do that. No, it was kind of ugly, and I'm embarrassed to see it now, but I guess it just shows how far I've come. I'm not designing any of my covers ever again. (laughs) No, absolutely not. All right. Well, let's uh, hear all of your uh, websites and blog and your Facebook and stuff that you'd like to share with our listeners. The website is Willow Bend Publishing. Willow as in a tree, bend as in a turn in publishing. Uh, WillowBendPublishing.com. My Facebook page is Horse Books for Morgan Horse Lovers. And um, there's a lot of stuff on there about the books, and I've designed it so you can see pictures, and there's videos of the real horses the books are, on, are based on, which is a nice way to draw children in. And um, someday we'll, when we have more time, we can talk about Facebook. <laughs> um, that's been a lot of fun. And um, and you can Don't contact me. Don't forget the game page on your website, a game page. <laughs> I'm sorry, what? Don't forget the horse games page on your website. Oh, yes, there are horse games on my website. (laughs) I'm glad you enjoyed them. (laughs) Oh, great. Thank you on behalf of Irene, who couldn't make it here tonight. I know she'll be sorry she missed you. (laughs) Yes, I can talk a lot. (laughs) Thanks. I've had a lot of fun. All right. This has been another podcast edition of Authors Access, where authors get published and published authors get successful. You can learn more about our guest on the Authors Access website, which is authorsaccess.com. Stay tuned for the next episode, Writing and Publishing Educational Books, with special guest Ariane McHugh. We'd love to hear from you about tonight's show. Please send us your questions and comments to info at authorsaccess.com. Authors Access is a joint production of Reader Views Incorporated and Loving Healing Press. For Reader Views, this is Susan Violante in Austin, Texas. And I'm Victor Volkman in Ann Arbor, Michigan, wishing you all a good evening.